Say, Father, I thank you because you always hear me. And he, he said, be glorified. And Lazarus came out. And even when there was a situation where there was a lack of, there was no food to feed the multitude. And he gave thanks for the bread that was to be broken. And, and there was multiplication at the thanksgiving of God to the Father for what is not yet manifest, but there was confidence, there was faith that it was going to be manifested. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you because you are transforming our lives into what will give you more glory. You're transforming our lives into the image of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you because as we behold your word, we are healed. As we behold your word, we are transformed. As we behold your word, we are lifted from one level to a higher level. We thank you because you're transforming our heart. You're building us up. You're working on our character. We just bless your holy name. We just magnify you. We say, Father, take all the glory, honor, and adoration. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So a welcome to church is wonderful every time we come around and we gather around God's word and we come to hear God speak to us. Praise God. Come to hear God speak to us. So this very afternoon, this afternoon already, so this very afternoon we're going to be going through what we're looking at as a team, as the church, life in the spirit. We're going to be looking at life in the spirit. And today we're going to be looking at the fruit of the spirit, which is a subset of what we are looking at as a general. And it's going to, we're just going to continue from it. We're going to continue. And we're literally actually focusing on the evidence of a life in the Holy Spirit. So the life that we have or the work that we walk in the spirit has an evidence. Praise God. There's something that people should see. It's not just in words. It's also in the deeds. It's also in our lifestyle and also in the, the way we, it's not just profess. It's, all, it's not just talk. There's what people see and they know that you're truly not just talking the talk, but you're walking the walk. Praise God. Amen. So the text, the key text that our brother William helped us to read was from Galatians 22 verses 23 and we'll read it from a couple of translations this is the New American Standard Bible and it says but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy peace, patience kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness self-control against such things there is no law and we'll look at it from another translation which is the TPT it says, but the, fruit of the, but, the, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they uh, for they are limited they are meant to be limitless and the last is the amplified it says but the fruit of the spirit which is the result of his presence within us is love unselfish concern for others joy inner peace patience not the ability to wait but how we act while waiting kindness goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. I'd like us to take note of the different translations and take note of the fact that it starts off with telling us that the fruit of the Spirit has what it produces in the life of the believer. Praise God. It has what is being produced in the life of the believer. So if you are living a life in the Spirit, there's what people should see, which is the character. Praise God. Which is the character. And the reason why we're looking at this is because we are in a world where people say things and not live out what they say. And it's scattered across where you see someone profess to be a believer or profess to be a Christian, and he does certain things that are anti what they profess, praise God. And it brings to, it now makes people question, is this actually what it is, or is this actually the character of a believer? But the problem we face is because many people don't allow the Holy Spirit to produce these fruits in their lives, praise God. Because if the Holy Spirit is meant to do his work in your life, and I think when um, in the week when, when I think one of the times Pastor Fred was preaching, when you look at, we looked at Romans 8 verses 14 from a translation. I can't remember the translation exactly. It says, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead. It means that the Holy Spirit wants to do a lot of things. And he said very powerfully that the Holy Spirit is not, will not force you. It's not, it's not tiring. It's not authoritative. It's not going to force you to do what exactly? Thank you so much. It says, for all who are being led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. So if you are led by the Spirit of God, the things that the Spirit of God produces in the life of the believer should find expression through your life. Praise God. means that there are certain things it produces in our life that should find expression in and through our lives. And the beautiful thing about it is that it says the fruit, sometimes we can think is several because several is listed but a couple of the different translations will show you very carefully at least the tpt says is divine love in all its varied expressions which means that these are expressions of the one character is if you are looking for, if it's, if somebody tells you a orange tree what you should get from the orange tree is orange right yes there's one major nutrients or nourishment you can get from it but there are a lot of other things that are attached to that particular tree praise god and it means that it will produce these things and i love how it ends it says against such things there is no law against such things there is no law and tpt says never set the law above these qualities because they are meant to be limitless so it means that a person that is living by the spirit or the person that is walking in the spirit and allows this fruit to be expressed through their life will somewhat of live above the law praise god and let's go to um romans 8 verses 2 so that we'll explain this in romans 8 verses 2 so romans 8 Verses 2 says, For the law of the Spirit in the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So we see a contrast of two laws. There's a law of sin and death, and then there's a law of the spirit or the law of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Praise God. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And if you will be able to compare the two laws. 
One of them is in Christ Jesus, right? One of them is in Christ Jesus, and that is the law of the Spirit. And as we're talking, we're talking about life in the Spirit, right? Talking about life in the Spirit. And what it means is that the law of the Spirit, the law of life in Christ Jesus, in contrast to the law of sin and death, because it says sin and death, and we know that the consequence of sin and death, but the life that we have in Christ Jesus is what sets us free. Verses 1 says there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. So it means that if you, are, if you want to live above sin and death, you have to be locked into the law of the Spirit, praise God, which is in Christ Jesus. And, and let me practically explain this. I think I've said this a couple of times. And it's how I can explain it very effectively to everyone. Everyone is familiar with gravity. Everyone knows that if you jump off this, if you jump off a building, you're going down. Praise God. If you jump off a building, gravity will do its work on you and pull you down. Praise God. For you to be able to walk against gravity, you have to connect yourself or tap into another law. Praise God. Which is what we're familiar with with aerodynamics. Meaning that for somebody to jump off a building and not go down, they have to either be in a plane or wear some form of equipment that obeys that law. Praise God. And when you don't obey that law or when even a plane tends to disobey the law by either not fueling itself or either not allowing the things to function properly, we have, we have heard of cases where plane crashes because of technical glitches and a little bit of breaking the law here and there. So we want to understand that for us as believers to be able to live above sin and death, we have to really live by the law of the Spirit. Praise God. So these two laws, when they are faced in contrast, know that the, the law of the Spirit is what gives us life. And that life is in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Meaning that there is no life outside of Christ Jesus. Praise God. Any other thing, any life outside of Christ Jesus has a end, has expired it. Praise God. Has expired it. Praise God. So very quickly we move to what the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? What is the fruit of the Spirit? And the fruit of the Spirit refers to a set of virtues or characteristics that are produced in the lives of believers through the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And that is a definition that is very much what I've been saying. That this is what the Holy Spirit produces in the life of anyone at all that professes to be a believer. Praise God. So if you have the Spirit of God, it means that these virtues, not that they are different degrees, but they are, they are going to find expression in and through your lives. Praise God. So it means that every believer should, by allowing the work of the Spirit of God in their lives, will express this. And that is how you can tell somebody, that's how you can tell a person that is different from, that's why people question a person that says they are a believer and they are manifesting contrary to what the food and Pastor Costin has taken out the time and explained a lot of times, I think Pastor Fred talked and said there are certain characteristics that is characteristic of an unbeliever and there are certain characteristics of a believer. So if you are living your life in the spirit, meaning that the fruits of the spirit should find expression through your life as a believer. See, moreover, the Apostle Paul list different characteristics or virtues that are all a manifestation of 
this one fruit, which is what I was explaining earlier. And what we will see that in Colossians 3 verses 12, because Apostle Paul in that also makes somewhat of another list. And I love the way he puts it. He says, since, since, since God, that's from the NLT, it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with a tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He says, make allowance for others' faults and give and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love. Note that he says above all of the list he has given. He said, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And that says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful and always be thankful. And all of these things are instruction. It says you clothe ourselves. And that is what you do intentionally. I think one other translation says, clothe yourself with the robe that God provides. Praise God. Clothe yourself with the robe that God provides. It means that you cannot clothe yourself by yourself. Praise God. And it's God that makes provision for that robe for you to wear on. And it's something you do intentionally. It's not something you do by accident. It means that if you are living a life where you didn't have that flow naturally from you, once you are in that life, you have to make a decision to allow the Spirit of God find expression through via these virtues through our lives. Praise God. And then on the last part for this is the fact that the fruit of the Spirit is not about what the person can do for God through their spiritual gifts and talents. So it's not, it's not what you can do, but rather it represents the evidence of, what, of the life of Jesus Christ within us. Praise God. And it's made possible by the Holy Spirit's power. So it's God's working in us. It's not God's work. It's not exactly what you are working through. There are two. It's God's working in us to, that affects our character. Praise God. And there's a big difference between the two. Because you can work out the giftings of God and then you have a flaw in your character. Which is very much expressed through those attributes that are not, you know, sometimes you can see the, 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 the giftings are what you can see. When I give you a gift of an apple, and once you taste an apple, there are two different things. An apple is a device, can also be a device, right? And that is an apple. If I gift you something, and if you taste an apple, one of them is eating, one of them is giving. Praise God. The other one is giving. Well, I mean, you can give both of them, but understand that what gives you more nourishment, what gives you physical nourishment, is the one that you eat. The one that is gifted, you can use it and do a lot of things with it. Praise God. So there's the gifting and then there is the fruit of the Spirit. And please, when, just so that, I, because when we're talking about fruit, our minds will now go to the physical fruit. Understand that this is a metaphor. When you're reading your Bible, it's a metaphor, it's an imagery. Once something is communicated, it uses the word fruit because whether you like it or not, people taste of your life, right? Your character, you have people that... You come around, you just want to be around them. There's something sweet about them. 
There's something loving about them. And it's not something that you can manufacture, which is where we're getting to. It's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit working in them. And it's easier for you to point it out from a life of a person that is, you know, if some people say I'm naturally loving, right? Naturally loving. You know, when you give your life to Christ, it just, the love just continues, praise God. But it's going to be more selfless than selfish because sometimes we say we're naturally loving, but there's a reason why. There's a motivation behind our actions. But once you are naturally not loving, and then you give your life to Christ, and then there's an expression of love from you. You know, now people start asking questions. It's like Apostle Paul. Like, this man was very, like he was brutal. He was just killing Christians, and then now he has an encounter. Even when he came to the churches, they were like, are you sure he's not a covert? He's trying to come in and infiltrate the church and then continue. Maybe he wants to do it at a massive scale. He's tired of moving from city to city. So he wants to infiltrate the, the, the group and then he will now come out and start snitching on all of them from different places. But understand that it's, it's, it's what God works in the life and it's, it's something that catches your attention. Praise God. It's something that truly and genuinely catches your attention because it's something that you didn't find, you couldn't see before, but now you're seeing it because of the work of the Spirit on your inside. What about unbelievers that exhibit some of these virtues? And that can be a question, which is what I was alluding to when I said, yes, you were, when you were not saved, you, you, you had, you care for people, you were, and then there are some religions as well that, that that is part of the things that you do to be able to make heaven. And that, that will now pose a question like, okay, so what then is the difference? Praise God. So it is possible for, it is, it is possible to actually display some of these virtues, praise God, and by exercising willpower. This one is not by the Spirit of God, that by the Holy Spirit working in you to produce. By exercising willpower, you just find yourself like, I want to give to people. I want to be able to help the needy. You will exercise it and you will do it because it's what you are setting your will to do. Praise God. And, but it's not the same as when the Holy Spirit is working it in you. It's, there's a difference between a flow and a... When something is flowing through you, it's not, you're not striving you're rather allowing it to find... It's like when you turn on the tap, the water just flows. But the moment you try to close the tap and turn on the tap at the same time, what you feel is pressure. You know that it's just a matter of time. Something will have to give. Either the, the, something will burst or something will just say, I'm tired of this. But once it's a flow, it comes naturally. And that's what should happen as believers. But sometimes we can have a situation where it's either we are not allowing it to flow through us because we are not aware that this is what our character should be now that we're in Christ Jesus or we're just clearly just ignoring or not wanting to do it because we're still holding on to a former life that we once lived. So what willpower, I love this part, what willpower produces like a wax fruit compared to the real. It's like a wax fruit compared to the real and wax fruits are artificial and from a distance they look Beautiful from a distance. It can look attractive, but the taste is immeasurably inferior to the real. Praise God. I think a very practical example is the flowers that we see here. We know that every Sunday you come and you see the flowers, they are always looking fresh. Nothing happens to the flowers. Every time you come, every Sunday, the flowers are on point. They are sparkly. Nothing. And the question is, do you do any work to something that is already dead to keep it alive? Praise God. Something that is just lifeless, in fact, there's, it's minimum maintenance costs. 
you just, and then only what you do is when it's dusty, you clean it, which is not, not that of a thing, not much of a thing. And that's why we tend to have them. But know that the proper functionality, like when you have a flower in a place, there's a difference, a real flower, not the fake one now. And this one is manufactured, but the other one grows. That is a very basic characteristic if you are familiar with your Mr. Nainjadi. That living things are alive, so there are certain things they require nourishment, they require oxygen, they require a lot of things to stay alive. Praise God. And it requires work for you to get them to stay alive. I, have, I can remember, I think I just remember the one, um, my supervisor gave like three of us she, because she loves planting stuff. So she, she just came and she gave us a small flower pot. She gave one to each of us, like three of us. She gave one to me, one to the I was like, wow. You know, it's a different thing if the thing can live by itself. But know, <laughs> but know that you, you, for you to actually keep them alive, you have to water them and ensure you don't use salt water to water them because you can actually, depends on the kind of plants and all of that. I think a couple of times, I think the other guy that's at the table at the other side, I think over time the plant died. I think everybody, I think it, it, took, it took mine a while to die, but at least it died finally because it wouldn't, it wouldn't live forever. So it, it takes work for you to be able to grow things, praise God. And I don't know, somewhere in our minds we think that our spiritual work will just grow by itself. We don't need to put any work. You don't need to read God's word. You don't need to attend church. You don't need to do anything. And you'll be wondering why. And sometimes I've met people that will tell you their spiritual life is sour on fire. And then, you know, you can actually do, you can actually, you don't need to do too much. So for some people, you cannot tell because it's actually they do the things that you can. But it takes you a while to understand that this thing is actually not, it takes you a while. You have to come close, examine, and then look at it, and then you can say this is dead. It's actually not in fact, you, ju- you just need to be coming around and then you see that this thing is the same way. It exists exactly as it is every Sunday. It doesn't grow taller or shorter. It just stays the same. And it's worst off. I'm talking about flower. No, just know that it's a flower. When I'm talking about it's a plant. But it's worst off when it's a plant that should give us fruit. Because fruit is what you... That the reason why people grow certain things is to get fruits or what people can eat. Either the fruits or the leaves. Praise God. Some plants, it's the leaves that you eat. And then when, what, make, what is hard is when you are maintaining something or you're, and then you're not getting any return. We'll get to that. But the main thing is that you cannot, get, you cannot be demanding fruit of this thing that is not alive. Praise God. But as believers, we should be able to understand that our work with, our growth with God doesn't happen automatically. There are things that we need to do. There are exercises we need to undertake. And it should flow from our inside if we're actually putting in the work. Praise God. For actually putting in the work, it should flow, and it's it's real and it's a reality in our life. And and I love, I think, just remember remembering Colossians. I think I was three, right? We read Colossians three verses three. It says, "For you died to this life, and your new life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Praise God." And the analogy that comes to mind is when you carry a seed and then you put it in the floor, put it in the ground, a soil, and you water it and you take care of it, the seed will die and then something germinates, praise God. And with continuous exposure, water, sunlight, 
and all of the things, the plant grows and grows into something that bears much fruit. Praise God. And it grows into something that bears much fruit. So the same way with our lives, it's not manufactured. When somebody has the willpower and then it tries to make it happen, it's manufactured. So it's different from when something is real. So let's go back to the... So Colossians 3 verses 23, which is to buttress the point, said these rules, he was speaking about some certain rules and laws that people abide by to live right. It says these rules have may seem to be wise as part of a made-up... Okay, good. These rules may seem to be wise as part of a made-up religion in which people pretend to be humble and punish their bodies. But they don't help people stop doing the evil that self, the sinful self wants to do. They don't stop people from doing that. So even if you examine the life of that, your friend that is not a believer, that always does good, you discover that it's most likely that part of his life, that goodness, that goodness you see comes from. It's most likely that they give to arms, but they have other things, other character flaws that will expose their inability to work all of these things in their life. That's why the Spirit of God comes in and works in you from within, without. But that is someone else trying to work out for themselves. Praise God. And our work with God is we, we only, we don't, we don't, we work out from the standpoint when he has worked in. We, we only work out effectively when he has worked in us. You can't work out your salvation from outside in. You can only work it out from inside out because Christ has paid it all, but he is on the inside of you, but you need to work it out after that has been done, not before it has been done. Praise God. So, how do we express or bear these fruits? How do we express or bear these fruits? And we're going to be looking at the second verse of Scripture that was reading or verses of Scripture that was reading in John 15 from the Amplified. This something. Why is it not moving? Okay. Okay, John 1. Okay. So it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Each branch, every, sorry, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit, too. And three, I mean, you are already clean because the word which I have given you, the teachings which I have discussed with you. You see, remain in me and I will remain in you, just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit, producing evidence of your fate, unless you remain in me. Praise God. So, so you can, we cannot do anything without our attachment to him. It's like a plant trying to disconnect itself from the ground and thinks that he can live outside of its connection to the ground. You cannot, you, you cannot do that. So for, the, for us to live a life where the spirit of God produces things in us, we have to continue to 
abide in him. Praise God. We have to continue to abide in him. Praise God. So anything that will get us to think that we can move from a place where we are able to live our lives outside of God and be still healthy or be growing will just be an error. The same way we give the analogy of a, of a, 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 a made-up plant, it can't, like it can survive that way. But if a plant is real, it has to stay connected to the ground. See, the way to consistently bear this fruit as a Christian is to abide in Christ. Praise God. Everything, when we read Romans, it says this life in Christ Jesus. It didn't say outside of Christ Jesus. So it means that you are in Christ Jesus for you to be able to produce. The, and that is what the Spirit of God that is resident on the inside works in you to do. See, apart from Christ, we cannot produce genuine spiritual fruit. Apart from Him, we cannot produce genuine spiritual fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is not imposed on us from outside, but as a result of a life of Christ within us. So the life of Christ within us is what ensures that the fruit is produced in our lives. So the responsibility of the believer is to abide in Christ. When Christ who is the word of God, dwells in our thoughts, he will become visible in our actions. Praise God. When Christ dwells in our thoughts, he becomes visible in our actions. And this is very practical in our days because what happens is that we allow ourselves to spend more time with the world than with the word of God. Amen. We allow ourselves to spend more time with the word than with the word of God. And I think this and ourselves, I think we were having a conversation before the self started. So we're talking, and I think we asked, I asked someone a question. Okay, what is, what, what is the flesh? What is the flesh? You know, sometimes you can talk about things, and then you cannot clearly define what exactly it is. So we, when we had a conversation, I think most times people would just go to sin as being the flesh. And then we said most of the times it doesn't start off from there. It starts off from your desires, your natural desires, and then it builds up. And James speaks about that very clearly. He says it's from your desires that it builds up to sin, and then it builds up to death. Praise God. So what it means is that if you are living by the Spirit, the command center is different. Once you're living by the Spirit, what coordinates your whether you do or don't do something is the Spirit of God. And you are led by the Spirit of God means that the Spirit of God will not lead you to do anything contrary to the will of God. Meaning that the life in the flesh is a life that Romans says it cannot please God. It says it cannot. Romans 8 says it can never please God. Praise God. So what it means is that your life in the spirit is a life that is divinely guarded, controlled by the spirit of God. And it will not lead you astray. Praise God. It will not lead you astray. But if you are living your life and then what excites you what like what controls you is what excites you and what what your your command center is not by the spirit you don't you don't even pause to say well god like this thing you don't even pause to think about that you're just let's just go with the flow praise god and the world sells a lot of things to us and social media and all of those things is what you see and your your natural instincts will tend towards that direction but something else that is superior to your natural instincts should be what coordinates how you say yes to things or how you say no to things. Praise God. And that changes everything with our work with God. Because now you are, you are going within and not allowing your flesh 
detect or allowing what, you're, what you desire detect what you do. And sometimes certain things, as I, as I said, the devil is not going to tell you, please pray. Pray, pray, pray. Don't read the Bible. The devil will not tell you to read the Bible because he knows that once he tells you to do those things, other things will be hard for him to... to things will not... like. Just imagine you have read your Bible well enough to know that you should not. Because I was asking, I was like, they say, you know, things like going to club. I was like, ah. I said, ah, there's the devil have upgraded the approach. You don't need to go to club. In your house, a club can be running 24 hours just with the kind of music you're listening to because it's just, just it's the same, same. What it means is that if you keep doing it, you just normalize. It's not be hard for you to enter there because you have to, you have to be leaving it out. That will, ex- and that excites you. That actually excites you. But for some people, it's not like they don't... Yeah, the club is there, but they don't even... It's not, it's not a thing for them because they are, the work that they have, that doesn't fit into what the life they are living. We're not saying that, okay, it's just a function of what do you prioritize, right? What you prioritize will tell what your given choice will, make, will, will be at every given point in time. Praise God. For, and I see this very practical with examples that we see in the Bible. You see somebody like Joseph. What do you think a young man in his... A young man. I mean, I don't, I don't say young man. And then his boss's wife tells him to come and sleep with me. A young man in this 21st century, like, ah, at the end of the day, what's... Our guy's not around. We just, but this man says, I cannot do this evil or the sin against God. He did, not, he did not talk about the fact that there was a pleasure he was going to get in that. He was, his focus and attention was God he wasn't seeing at that point in time. Praise God. Means that he's, he says, how dare I do this against God? And then he now includes his master. He did not say his master and then God. Praise God. Because the master you can see. And the, the funny thing is, he decides to do that and then he gets locked up. You'll be wondering, Pastor Fred was teaching us about suffering and everything. I, I say, when you see some people's life in the Bible, you'll be wondering, what is wrong with this? Like, he, was, he, was, he did what was right, and he landed in prison. And then you'll be telling yourself, oh, <laughs> some people that if they land in prison, it's justified because they actually did it. Because if they later caught you, they will stone you in prison, it's justified. So he will enjoy his time in the prison. But what blessed me about the life and the character of Joseph is the fact that he stood by God. In fact, he was first sold into slavery. He stood by God even in that place where he was sold into Potiphar's house. But his character was what God was working on. He, was, he did not say, my boss bought me, then I will show them in this place. I will even run away. And then he this, did all he did. He landed in prison. Even in the prison, he was still coordinating things. To tell you how the character of the person was not dented by in the prison, he was still coordinating things. He coordinated and the prison was like a setback. But he did not allow it to hold him back. But he God used that as a train to propel him into... And the thing about it is that the situation he had with the butler and the baker, where the butler was saying, oh, I remember... He got, but I, every time I think about it, if, the guy forgot him for, is it two years or so? It was when... The, and then I thought to myself, I was like, if this guy has organized a prison break and he broke out of that prison and then they escaped and then the butler now remembers and then he comes and he says... And there's, it's, it's true, there's somebody in the prison and they say, ah, you people came late. Ah, he broke, he broke out, they broke out from the prison and then they ran, they ran last week. If he had come before last week, you would have met him in the prison. But it's like everything happened that they knew where to find him. 
they brought him out of the prison into the palace. And the beautiful thing about it, when I think about people understand the fact that your character is what is worked on when you're going through process. Praise God. Every time you're going through one difficult thing or the other, what God is doing is allowing love come out of you. Because if you allow hate, some people are on the island, they say that it's a mistake. I made a mistake. Why am I here? This is a rubbish place. You can say all you want to say, but it doesn't allow God to work in you because in bitterness, there's no... You, what you'll be seeing is the hurts, the pain, the fact that your parents did not choose UK or Canada or Australia or whatever those places. And then you are, you're not allowing God allow his word do something in you. So that when you land in those places, you will not lose yourself. In fact, you're, you're, what is happening is that you're on your way to losing yourself. And God is just trying to ensure that you go through the process of life that will shape on you and build you into someone of character. That's much more important for God. And if you are a believer and you're, you're not going through something that will test what is deposited on your inside, I don't think you are, you're going to be, you're not going to be brought up like a, a parent that actually don't allow their children go outside. You know, what happens is that one day if the child finds his way outside, the child will not have the stamina, have the maturity to know what to do, how to get, they will just be calling. I was talking to some, some people, I said, some of you, you're not just used to even living that. You are here on the island and then something happens to the power in your building. You call your parents back in Nigeria and you're asking them, how do we fix the problem? And you, 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 you have not been trained to fix things or to ask yourself, okay, how do I get this done? And God doesn't want to raise children like that. He wants to raise people that when hardship comes, they ask God, what can I do? Which is different from your parents. Like, how can I get this thing sorted out? They will connect themselves to people. They connect themselves to body and ask, how do I get this thing sorted out? Praise God. So the Bible tells us in Hebrew, and this thing I just said is not just for one character. You have several characters in the Bible. You have Daniel. Daniel had an opportunity to do whatever. Daniel and his friends had an opportunity to do whatever they wanted to do. But the scripture says that Daniel determined, that is Daniel 1.8, he determined not to defile himself with what the king was offering. He determined, not with his parents. He determined by himself. And we see how God worked in their life and their character, and he did something out of them. The Hebrew boys, his friends, they said, we will not bow down to the image that Nebuchadnezzar set up for himself. We will not bow down to that image. They could come and say, oh, yeah, let's just bow down. Nothing is going to happen. Let's just give it a try. It's not, let's even pretend that we're tying our shoes and then we just do it. After all, it's going to just pass like that and we'll save ourselves. But they didn't. Esther, we can go over a lot of examples of people that their character is what God actually worked on. So we see um, Joshua 1.8. It says, this book of the law will not depart on your mind, depart from you. You meditate on it day and night. And it's in your abiding in God, you will, yeah, thank you. It's abiding in God that, it says, for then you will make, he will make your way prosperous and then you will be successful. And note that is the word of God in the heart um, Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of God dwell richly on your inside. And it's the word of God that when hardship comes, comes out of you. Praise God. It's the word of God that builds that foundation that ensures that you're not able to, you're not swayed by, by things. Let's go back to the slides. And then we also have um, the second, the scripture there in Romans. In, okay, just go to Romans 12.2. J.B. Phillips. I, I will just read while you are at it. It says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. It says, but let God remold your minds from within. 
that you may prove in practice what the plan of God is to you, for you. Prove in practice what the, that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. And moves towards the goal of true maturity. That's the J.B. Phillips. He says, let God remold your mind from within so that you may prove in practice, practically, not in theory, in practice, that the plan of God for you is good and it meets all his demands and moves you towards the, tr- the goal of true maturity. And true maturity is be- being like Christ. Our maturity in this kingdom is becoming more and more like Christ. So it says in... It says, remember, every good tree bears good fruit, but the rotten tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a rotten tree produce good fruit. That's in Matthew 7, Matthew, Matthew 7, 17 to 18. So it means that a good tree from the source will produce good, bad from the source will produce bad. A rotten apple is rotten. It will not be able to, because even the seeds of the apple will be affected by the rottenness. So understand that if you say you do, praise God. If you say you do, let's go back to the slides. Thank you. So how, how important is it for us to bear fruit? Why is it important for us to bear fruit? So very quickly, in Genesis, God, command, God blessed and commanded us to be fruitful and multiply. And most of the times when we think about fruitfulness, we think about the, one, the other part, the part, one part of it, which is, which is not even the main part. The main part is that your life itself should be fruitful. And when your life is fruitful, note that we can see this very practically in Joseph's life. The fruitfulness of his life is what translated to the fact that the whole of Egypt was safe had food to eat, right? And not just the whole of Israel, it extends to the Israelites coming into Egypt and they were fed. That's this whole people coming to Egypt. They were fed for the time where they couldn't even contain. Egyptians saw that these people were intimidating and then they pushed them out. Let's go back to the slide. Thank you. So if God commands us to, he blessed us and commands us to be fruitful, why not? We should be. So, in Mark 11, I would like us to write the scripture, Mark 11, 12 to 14, and Matthew 21, 18 to 20. This is a story where Jesus Christ cursed the fig tree. It says with, it had a lot of leaves, praise God. And this, most of the times, of course, we're like, uh-uh, he looked at the tree, there was leaves, and then, and you can imagine the disappointment. He saw a tree, they had a lot of leaves, then he came closer. It's like, you saw this flower, and then you... Please just go back to the slides. I don't want to do this. Just, you, you saw this, and then just imagine it was a... Uh, let's say it's an apple tree. You saw it, it had leaves and everything, and then you should expect that there will be... And then you come, and then you now see there is nothing. And he was hungry. And some people, when they read it, they were like, Ah, why did... Note that I will not be bothered if it was... I saw that it was a fake... I come, and then I say, Ah. Oh. But note that... 
I'll be more disappointed when I plan the same way Jesus Christ when he came to the temple and he, he saw them they were doing buying and selling the temple. That's not the purpose. He said, my, the house should be a house of prayer. And then here you are doing what is not, what it was intended to do. And the same thing, he comes and he sees the three days. No, and then he causes it. And then it just goes to show that he desires that we bear fruit, right? Taking it back to us, he desires that we bear fruit. Because you can't be connected to him and then you are not allowing the fruits to be manifest in your life and through your life. Praise God. So it means that it's very important for us to understand. And then in the parable that he spoke about in Luke 13 verses 6 to 9, just leave it, 13 verses 6 to 9. In that parable, he talks about, he talks about a gardener. And the gardener actually tells the owner, and then he had a conversation with the owner, and he says, he pleads with the, uh, that this plant has not been fruitful. And for three years, that's not been fruitful. And I says, please, let's give it one more year. We'll put fertilizer, we'll water it, and then after that time, if it's still not fruitful, we'll take care of it. If it's still not fruitful, we can then cut it down. And for some of us, our lives is like that. You have been attending church, you come around for several years, but certain things are still struggling to find expression through your life. Not that they're not there, but you're not allowing them to find expression. And what the Lord is doing by his word, by gatherings like this, is to challenge you to get to a place where you allow his word take root. And it says, let's not have leaves, which is religion, without fruit, which is godly character. Because leaves look attractive, but the essence is for the tree to bear fruits that bless lives, not just looking nice, not just nice looking leaves. So you can have nice looking leaves, but that is not the essence. The main essence is for the life of Christ to be manifested through our lives. And we can see this in 2 Timothy 3 verse 5. It says, holding on to a form of outward godliness, which is religion, although they have denied its power, for their conducts nullify their claim of faith. Avoid such people and keep far away from them. In fact, the scripture tells you now to avoid a person that is acting a certain kind of way, like it's, they say they are Christians, but they are living. It means that they are hypocrites. Praise God. They are hypocrites. So when it says avoid, keep away from those people because scripture tells us that bad company corrupts the good moral. So you're, you, you, those people can tend to make normalize those things that are anti-God if you hang around those people. Praise God. So it's important for us to bear fruit because God really desires that we are fruitful in everything that we set our hands to do. Praise God. And in this time, in this season, when we're living a life in the Spirit or when we are seeing what life in the Spirit is, fruitfulness or having fruits of the Spirit is very important. So in conclusion, very quickly, I, I think the first time I was inspired to do this image was in 2019. And then I came back to it. I just had to before, but it's very beautiful. In this time and this season, I think some weeks ago or so, the situation with the Titanic sub that was under and then a lot of things happened. I just went back and then researched about the Titanic itself and watched some interviews. And I saw that one very interesting thing about one of the person that was interviewed, he said, uh, he and she said, they were telling people that this, this ship was going to sink, but people didn't believe because of what the man <laughs> the captain has said earlier that the ship cannot even be, <laughs> the claims he made that the ship cannot even, and people actually believed because the other man was like, this ship is about to sink, oh, I'm carrying my things to get on the boat to leave. 
the people say, what's he talking about? They ignored him, so he told them good night. <laughs> and he left. And, and it's sad that because of what a man said, you ignored the eminent danger. And because of something as small as a iceberg hitting a ship, I think they say three times, and then sinking the whole massive carrier that carries up to 2,000 and something people. It was 2,000 and something people. Out of that 2,000 and something people, I think they say only 600 survived that encounter. And a movie was done about it. And, and it was, they did a lot of things in the movie. And then I, what I loved about the thing is, I think, I, I think Rick Warren talked about how the compartment under there are like seven of them. And it damaged, they said the compartment was so that if one is hit, it will not affect the others. But the impact was so that it affected one, and the impact was so great that it affected the seven others. And then one other, I think I was reading um, 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 a particular pastor in his, in his book, Deeply Formed Life. In his book, Deeply Formed Life, he twisted the illustration very differently. He said, the problem was that the top deck was the rich people, the wealthy people. They were having fun. The, the bottom deck was the low, because they, they, arranged, it, they arranged it according to classes. So the... The people on that knew the danger that was about to happen, and they were trying to save their lives. But the wealthy people, in fact, one other woman, her own was so dramatic because she, her pig was what she was holding on. And the pig was, was, a, it was a toy that, a, a toy pig that her mother got for her. So she, they wind the thing, it played sounds. So she was holding it. The man was telling her to jump. She said, how can she jump in this? And she was very, she was a wealthy woman. So the man took the thing and threw it in the boat, that was what made her. She said she heard her mother telling her that she should jump off. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that was how she saved her life. She was in the boat, she was using the thing to entertain the children that were crying because of the whole thing that happened. And then I was thinking to myself how many people will be seen an imminent danger, they will be warned. I remember Noah, they warned them there was a flood that was coming and then people will hear the warning and they say, this man doesn't know what he's saying and they continue with their life, praise God. And it's devastating what can happen when you allow you, you get a warning and you're not obeying. God is warning you with his word and you're not listening to his warning. When disaster strikes, it will be catastrophic. And people have a tendency, what the man was saying, to live a life on the surface where it's not deep. You're, the life that Christ wants, you to, wants to form in you is deeply rooted, but you want to live a shallow life. You want to just be a nominal Christian. You attend, attend such service. You're not allowing God find expression in and through your life mightily. And this is what an icebox lo looks like. It has mo more beneath and less at the top. And this was what brought down a whole boat, a whole liner that, that contains 2,000 and something people, brought it to the ground, as little as this. And this is what our lives will be when it's rooted in this character and characteristics that the Spirit of God works in us. And it's so that when people see you at the surface, they don't see much. Praise God. Some of us, we don't even look like we are much. And the only thing that makes us solid is what God is working in us. And the major thing there is love. And then we see all the other characters. And note that there's so much more that the Spirit of God can work on our inside. Even though it gives us as this list, this is what we can, the, apost the apostles has specified, even Peter too did likewise. And note that it's really not by striving, but by abiding that these things are formed on our inside. It's not you striving to make it. It's not you trying to work to do it. It's what the Holy Spirit does naturally by abiding. The moment you're connected to God, the moment you're connected to His Word, the moment you're connected to His people, the moment you're connected to prayer, the moment you're connected to meditation on His Word and dwelling on His Word day and night, it 
causes these things to, and no matter what level it is, I think I was hearing somebody says he, he thought he understood patience as a single man. When he married, he now learned another dimension of patience. When he had the first child, when Pastor Victor used to talk about the story, he said, you have first one, you think that is all, is, that is all. When you get the second one, you will learn another dimension of patience. So it means that no matter where you are with any of this fruit, with any of this, you will have a lot to do because God is working in us and through us on a daily basis. And second, it's not by worrying, it's by trusting in God. Some of us, we give up time, we take more time worrying than trusting. Take heed from what the scripture tells us in Matthew. He says, don't worry about these things because our Heavenly Father knows. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and every other thing we add on to you. You're not, it's not the other way in reverse. The same way, He says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It means that if you are gratifying the desires of the flesh because you're not walking by the Spirit, Praise God. So it's when you are walking by the Spirit or you are led by the Spirit, every other thing, will, you will not do the other things that is not, um, not of you. And it says, it's not just works. There's what Christ has done, but it's also faith, radical faith, where you are believing God for what you don't see. And faith is not subject to vi- your, what you, are, you can see, because we said we walk by faith, not sight. It means that it's not what you see in your life that that is all that it is to your life. Praise God. The same way, it's not everything that it is to this thing that is seen on the surface. Praise God. There's more that is beneath, there's more that is in you than what you can see. Praise God. And very quickly, it says, my little children from whom I labor in birth, labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. This is Apostle Paul praying for the church in Galatia, praying for several other churches and he wants Christ to be formed in them. And this is my prayer for myself this is my prayer for each and every one of us that we will continue to labor because it's something that is intentional. It's something that requires work for Christ to be formed in us by the Spirit. And we cooperate and align ourselves to the Spirit. So I leave us with these questions. What practical steps will you take to abide in God's Word? What are the practical steps? Some of us, we have the Bible that we're doing. Some people have disappeared. Some people have disappeared. I believe that some people are running their own personal. But I want to believe that if you're not doing anything and then you just abandon it, we're 104 in that particular thing. And what are the practical steps? And please don't say till next year to start all over again. You have today, tomorrow. to. And if you are struggling to catch up, I think I told someone, I said, what you can do is you can do one, like the one of today, and then do the one of the, the, where you stopped. Then you'll be doing the two, three, four, like that. If you can do four, you do two behind, two uh, on the day because it's more, you can catch up like that. And then anyhow you do it, at the end of the day, let it be that you are, you, you are there until the very end. Praise God. That is a practical step, a very practical tip. And there are many other things you can do to ensure that you abide. And you, you don't have to, if it's a struggle for you to do that. And by the way, you can fail. This year might not work, but still push and not, don't allow yourself to stay where you are. And then how will you be more intentional about obeying God's word? Because it's one thing for you to read God's word. It's another thing for you to obey God's word. And it's, it's, the, the, it's not complete until you obey his word. He can't be telling you a lot of things and you have not done any one of them. And then you expect to be hearing more and more. What have you done with what he has given to you? Or what are you doing with what you are hearing right now? Which is very important for growth. So 2 Peter 1, 5 to 9, it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, 
and to goodness, knowledge. And it says, to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. And it says, to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. It says, make every effort. It says, make every effort. It means that it's an effort you make on a daily to allow God to work these things in you and through you. And it says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, as if you, um, I think um, the New American Standard Bible says, if you are growing in, growing in, it says, in increasing measure, they will make you more, be, they, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this will keep you from being ineffective and being unproductive. And what we want to be in our Christian life is productive, to produce fruits. Then it says, but whosoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Praise God. So what God wants us to do is to be able to add, add, build upon what he has the foundation, and the foundation has to be Christ, and we have to build on those foundations. So I'd like us to just close our eyes and say, Father, from all that I've heard, I'm going to continue to abide. I'm, continue, I'm going to continue to build. I'm going to continue to trust. I'm going to continue to allow your word take root in me and bear fruit greatly. I'm going to allow what the Holy Spirit is wanting to find expression in and through my life to be expressed. To be expressed. I'm going to take my time and practically trust you to do what only you can do. Trust you to build me trust you to strengthen me.